Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. everyone and welcome back to the Stressed Podcast. I'm as always very excited to sit here with my next podcast guest and it's Dustin today. How, Dustin, how are you today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing great. Thank you. I've had a busy morning um, and so I'm excited to sometimes, you know, you get into the flow when you actually have a lot of things to do. So I really like these days as well. Uh, yeah, definitely. I agree. Yeah. How was your morning today? Uh, it was pretty good. I mean, it's, you know, it's three in the afternoon here now. So, um, just had a variety of things. I think everyone's just cranking towards the end of the end of the year, trying to get things done. So working on finalizing a new contract, I had, had a new proposals also working on and, uh, had some other meetings this morning. So just trying to keep the wheels on the wagon and, and try to slide into Thanksgiving next week. So. Nice. Awesome. That's usually how I always start my podcast. I always ask my guests, where are you located? What time is it? And what have you been up to this morning? So I guess the only thing that we don't know is where you are. Oh, so I'm uh, in Austin, Texas, uh, just outside of Austin, actually. Okay, very cool. So tell us a little bit more about you. Um, what have you been up to over the last couple of years? Sure. So uh, see, last couple of years, um, really, I think it's been well, a combination of a few things. One, I'm a, I'm a father. Uh, so we have two kids, 11 and 12. They just started middle school. So that's always keeping things fun and interesting. Um, married as well. So, uh, you know, married life and everything goes into that. And then my wife and I, we both run a software company, Caffeine Interactive, and we uh, build web and mobile apps, uh, help businesses automate their processes, that sort of thing. So um, and we've got a, a global team uh, with that company. So it, it keeps us pretty busy. Hmm. Have you always been an entrepreneur or did you move into uh, your own business after corporate? No, actually, you know, when I got out of college, so I'm, I've had a pretty boring life. I haven't been able to travel as much as, you know, some of the others. Uh, but uh, so I've pretty much been in Texas all my life, which for better or worse, right? But uh, mm -hmm. uh, after I graduated from college, went off to uh, get a job in the semiconductor industry, graduated with a computer engineering degree, uh, worked in a semiconductor for 10 years. And then uh, after that, that period of time, decided to branch out and start doing some other things, uh, started doing some, some work with affiliate marketing, just trying to find, I'd always kind of had this dream of being an entrepreneur. It kind of runs in my blood. You know, my, my dad had his own business. My grandfather had his own business. And so it was always a desire of mine and trying to find a way to get there. And by the time I hit, you know, around age 30, early 30s, I was really ready to branch out from the corporate world and kind of chart my own course. And so uh, that started about 2010 and yeah, I did a few different things did some freelancing, um, you know, my background's in building software. So that was the natural thing to gravitate towards and trying to apply that. And then just over time, kind of embrace that more and more and started getting more clients and decided I can either start charging more or I can start building a team and decided to build a team. And so that's kind of where, mm -hmm. where the company came about. Very cool. And so where is most of your team located? Um, we have, so we have several that are based here in the U S but then we also have a development team over in the Philippines as well as a team in Bolivia of all places. So, um, and then we've, we've had a few, uh, 
hires throughout Central America as well, but the, the core team, so the main people are in, in Bolivia and, and the Philippines. Okay. And um, have you been able to travel now to these places? No, but I really love to. Uh, actually, both of them. I've never been in, in Asia at all. So that would be that would be really cool to be able to go in and check that out. But uh, like South America, going down to Bolivia, um, it looks like it's a beautiful country and just never been able to make the time. And, you know, for me, like my limited geographical knowledge, I always think like, you know, flying east or west is really far, but just, oh, it's just South America. It's right there. No, it's like, that's a, that's a long flight. It takes right? a little while, yeah. It's, it's still like half the globe, right? So um, obviously not not a super easy thing to to hop over to. But uh, yeah, I, I, that's definitely on my on my short list is to try to make it uh, to visit our team and just to travel more in general. That's something that as we uh, build our company, that's one of the things that I think we start talking about independence of what you want to accomplish in life. I think that's one of the reasons why we do it. It enables us to do a lot of other things in life that we might not be able to do otherwise. And so I want to capitalize on that uh, mm -hmm. hopefully sooner rather than later. Cool. I mean, that's really fascinating that you've been building teams offshore and you've never actually been there. So It's, it seems to be working no matter if you are there in person or just virtually. Yeah, fortunately or unfortunately, I'd say more unfortunately, uh, we've gotten too accustomed to using Zoom to make acquaintances and not as much of the in-person with, with COVID and everything else that's going on. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, the, the technology is awesome that enables us to be able to, to create these connections, right? And to build a mm -hmm. team and not just build a team, but be able to work closely together and, and develop trust and develop relationships. Um, but it is disappointing. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of old fashioned that I like seeing people face to face. We have a lot of clients in the same way. We've never met them in person. We just work virtually, uh, whether it's a Zoom call or some clients we only interact via email, maybe an occasional phone call or something, you know, and it's It, it kind of stinks. I mean, I miss having more personal interaction. I'm kind of introverted. So my, I kind of gravitate towards less social interaction sometimes, you know, typical <laughs> software developer uh, being antisocial. <laughs> But, uh, you know, at the same time, like, I, I think I get, you know, it, it challenges me. I know it's not outside of my comfort zone sometimes with that. So I'd like to get out and meet people and talk to people and see customers face to face, you build better relationships that way, for sure. And that's still well, sure. as good as Zoom is, it's still no replacement for the face to face. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100%. So I have a million questions for you. But um, let's start with the first one. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people have only been going into kind of remote work in March 2020, when everything when the whole world shut down. And you've been obviously doing this for many more years than just since March 2020. What do you think has been the, the milestones or the, the secrets maybe for you to uh, um, manage offshore teams well or even manage just relationships well, right? It doesn't just mean that, you know, even the, as you said, your, all of your clients is all just Zoom meetings and connections via the internet as well. So how, how do you manage that? How do you keep it up and how do you make sure that everyone is heard and everyone is taken care of? That's a that's a really interesting question. Um, you know, the, I think as you're uh, explaining the question, uh, one thing that popped in my head is I was thinking about uh, people who perform on camera, like actors, and how they, mm -hmm. they talk about when you're performing on camera, you should overemphasize, you know, and sometimes over-exaggerate things mm -hmm. because that's what comes across better. And I, I couldn't help but think about that as you were asking the question. And I kind of feel that way sometimes with, with these relationships. You have to overemphasize. doesn't mean 
be unauthentic or try to fabricate something, but it means actually over uh, overextending in terms of going out of your way to try to know more about someone. I've been really guilty of that at times where we have employees and realize I don't really know a whole lot about them personally. And obviously as the manager, I'm not going to be going to ask people a bunch of probing personal questions. You know, that's something they volunteer, but creating a forum where we can have that kind of dialogue and those kind of exchanges, I think it's important. And so, um, and also being the fact that we're a small business and we're still, even though we've been in business since 2013, still kind of think of ourselves as a startup kind of startup culture, wearing a lot of different hats and all that sort of thing. Um, it does make it tough to be able to engage uh, with people and to take the time because there's always something more important. It's the next deal we're trying to get done or at some other fire we're trying to put out and to actually tap the brakes on all that and say, you know what, it's important to invest in the people that we have and engage with them. And, um, you know, sometimes too, I think, you know, you start looking at hiring offshore, it's easy to, to think there's this distance. And so, you know, you start thinking each of someone, maybe it's a hired gun, a, a, think of it more of a, as a resource on a person. I think that's a, a trap that everybody falls into. Mm-hmm. And I'm always trying to lead with that of not thinking that way of thinking, you know, there's someone else, there's, we're all real people with real problems and real feelings and, and real issues that we're trying to solve. And just being empathetic to the, the people you work with. And so, you know, there's, there's that aspect of, there's also just, you know, people have problems. It's, it's, common with with our team of you know 15 people there's someone who's sick there's someone who's hurt there's someone who's dealt dealt with some sort of a loss and so not just feeling like oh that's someone you know halfway around the world like I don't really know what to do here I'm just going to kind of like say okay take your time and come back but actually try to you know reach out and say hey I'm really really feeling for you let me know if there's anything we can do and try to develop that culture of of care and support for each other it's something we've tried to do in our business I think I've tried to do it with our employees and I think our employees have done it when I've dealt with things and, you know, uh, our family's dealt with things and it's, it's been great. I think we almost kind of think of ourselves as a family, at least as much of a family as you can build virtually like this. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you see that the retention rates are better with employees because of the culture that you've created? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. We don't really lose any employees. I'm probably jinxing myself now by saying that <laughs> like three people quit next week. Touch, you know? Knock on but, wood. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I think, um, yeah, I think the retention has been, uh, been really good. And I, I mean, I don't, I don't have any way to quantify it. You know, I think sometimes, um, I mean, I, I guess I don't know enough about the culture, say over in the, in the Philippines or in Bolivia, for example, where like they may, maybe in some ways the the job that we provide, the opportunity we provide is, is a really good opportunity where they just wouldn't want to leave. Maybe, maybe it's more about the the opportunity they have than the relationship that they're building. I, I don't know. I wish I had a better way to quantify that. I'd like to think that because we're doing such a good job of building relationships and, and reaching out to people and developing, you know, this kind of culture that that's mm-hmm. what does it, but it, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's an opportunity for some, anonymous like internal surveys with the team or something i don't know but, yeah um sure. yeah it's it's a good question mm-hmm. um great so building culture i think is the most important thing that i'm hearing you say in terms of like how do you manage offshore teams how do you manage remote teams successfully mm-hmm. and i think everyone can relate to that do you think there's anything else that's been working really well um you know one of the things that that i try to I subscribe to, I guess I should say. And I heard this concept once and it was in a 
a totally different context than, than work, but I, I started applying it to other aspects of my life and relationships in particular management. And it's this idea, you may or may not be familiar with, I don't know, it's called the upside down pyramid, where we think about management okay. structure and, you know, top down, it's like your boss, CEO, founder, whatever it may be. And everyone else is kind of underneath you, you have your management under you and then the direct reports under them and, and whatever. And the concept behind the upside down pyramid is rather than being on top and edicting down and, you know, you set the agenda and you're driving everyone to perform and everyone's accomplishing all these things. Instead, you flip that upside down, you think yourself as being at the bottom of this pyramid and your job is to, to uh, encourage and support, give the people that report to you, treat them like you're almost like a subservient relationship to them where you're trying to do things to enable them to be as successful <laughs> as possible. And I, I take this concept and I think about like other things like back when I was in the semiconductor industry and there's a, a someone I know, an acquaintance, I'll, I'll say, um, who when I talk to him, he talk about like, you know, he's one of these guys has been able to move up the, the corporate ladder somewhat within, within his job. And he talks about the boss that hired him and talking about, you know, I wasn't really that great of a boss. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you know what, like you've done really well, you've done a lot of good for your company. He was the one who hired you. Doesn't he get some kind of credit for actually bringing you in and nurturing you and giving you the opportunity to be able to thrive. So even if you may see some deficiencies in the way he, he has managed and maybe you don't think he was the, the greatest manager or whatever, case may be fact of the matter is he did something that made a huge transformation on that company and brought about you and enabled you to achieve what you were able to achieve and so I think sometimes we forget about that but I, I really I try to take that I mean I don't want it just to sound too cliche and like it's just you know uh whatever you want to call it business owners speak or managers speak or whatever like it's actually yeah. like try to put this in a real practice and I, I think that's something that's important to me is when I think about our employees um I really want them to feel challenged. I really want them to feel like uh, not just that, that they're getting to do what they want to do now, but that we're thinking about their career path and the, the growth and what they want to accomplish going forward and really trying to focus on, on that aspect of, of their lives and caring and enabling them and giving them the resources they need to be successful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that. Um, you so you have two main teams. Bolivia, I assume, is more or less the time the same time zone, right? Then yeah, the Austin, with, Texas. Yeah, with the daylight savings, it always gets confusing. I think they're usually okay. either one or two hours ahead of us. Um, okay. For being and me being in central time zone. Mm -hmm. But the Philippines is definitely a very different time zone. I've worked with the Philippines working in California um, for for my last global project while I was working at Google. And I know that that's super challenging from a time zone perspective. How do you manage your time? How do you make sure that you are still having a good life, work-life balance? Yeah, and actually, I think from California, it may actually be better suited for the Philippines than mm. here. I think they're like almost exactly 12 hours off 12 hours it was, from, yeah, us, from us. So. Yeah. So your question was how, how uh, balance of work-life balance with them. Mm -hmm. um, do they work in your time zone or do they work in like just during their daytime so we we've gone back and forth on this and i think this is something again going back to what i'm saying about treating people with with respect but the idea that if we're going to be in the office from say nine to five eight to six whatever it might be a.m to p.m that they're going to be expected to be in the office from 8 p.m to 6 a.m that's just horrible like that sounds horrible to me right i would you know i would not be happy Super with that horrible yeah. yeah. And so that's something that we've 
I think we, we've been we've been fairly flexible on that. Our our main requirement when we talk about working with anyone we hire in the Philippines is that we have some overlap because we need to be able to communicate and have mm-hmm. some overlap at least for an hour or two a day. And so, you know, being able to get on a call, maybe hash out something that came up uh, with a with a customer project, whatever the case may be. And then outside of that, we have you know we we provide some uh, some flexibility there. So you know we don't really even though we have, for the most part, all of our employees are salaried. So we're not even looking at hours clocked or anything like that. I mean, we have timesheets, we have things that we do because we have to, we have certain engagements with customers. We have to build things a certain way. But for the most mm-hmm. part, we have, uh, it, it's more um, uh, task driven work than it is, you know, working so many hours or whatever else. So um, we're just basically making sure tasks get lined up, making sure things get accomplished. Deadlines get hit. We're software developers. We live and breathe things like agile boards and sprints and epics and all that fun stuff. So it's all about mm-hmm. making sure we're meeting those commitments and then having some overlap. Where I think it becomes a little bit challenging is that uh, one of the things that we really pride ourselves on is, as a as a software development team is uh, not just building new exciting projects, but also being there to support. Because a lot of times there's a lot of like day-to-day needs, especially think about building websites or web apps, there's, there's updates, there's other challenges, things that come, come about, customers need things. And so being able to provide that support for a primarily US-based customer base that's working between eight and five, and they come in with a request and we need someone to be able to fulfill it. So obviously we leave on, or we, we lean on uh, a lot of our team that's in the Western hemisphere for a lot of that. And then, you know, things that aren't urgent, Sometimes there's a little bit of juggling of like, okay, well, maybe we can do something to fix an immediate need now. If it's not an immediate need, then we'll, you know, Philippines will address it when they come online at, you know, seven or eight p.m. at night uh, and and knock that out. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, we don't we we try to be pretty flexible with that. I mean, I, I think we have there's a couple of employees that actually enjoy uh, overlapping more with the U.S., but it's never been something we we dictate. You know, some people I think just night owls and they like to they like to work at night but for the most part everyone's uh just online like when i come online in the morning they may be finishing up their day and we get to chat for an hour or two and then then they're gone mm-hmm. and how do you manage your own time do you feel like you have you know you're you have kind of normal working hours or is it definitely like moved a little bit to um, meet the needs of your offshore teams but also your family um I feel like, I mean, I think all of us always feel like we could have better work-life balance. I mean, I'm just coming off. I just had the flu last week. So that's like already like my week is chaos, right? Because I'm trying to like cover everything I missed last week. So I just felt horrible. And then I'm also trying to make it into next week with Thanksgiving here in the U.S. and all that. So trying to get everything together. Um, yeah, I mean, for me, work-life balance uh it's something that's very important to me. It's something I really try to build a lot of my structure around. Uh, and so when I think about structure, you know, I think about things like uh, the way I manage my, my task and my, my day-to-day stuff, um, you know, trying to stay on a schedule uh, employing certain pr- principles. Like uh, when I start my day, I like to work on my hardest thing first. You know, that's mm-hmm. a, a hack that I heard a long time ago. And I've, I can't mm-hmm. say I'm really good with that because sometimes the hardest thing isn't actually what I get to work on because there's some other thing that blows up as, you know, being a business owner. But um, mm-hmm. I like to try to focus on those hardest things first. I know for me, I'm more of a morning person. Um, as the day goes on, 
uh, my brain capacity seems to diminish. And so if I can knock out the harder things early on, I'm way more efficient at doing them. And then it also, you get that, that, uh, uh, what's the, I'm trying to think of the, the, the term, the, um, the chemical release. I can't think of that. The chemical oh, the dopamine release. Dopamine. That's the word I'm looking yes. for. Dopamine. The <laughs> dopamine release. Cause you did something that was difficult yeah, yeah, and accomplished yeah. it. Right. Yeah. So I get that dopamine release from that. So, um, that's important. That's important as well. I think just getting some wins. Uh, but you know, another thing about my day that I try to do is I'd like to try to stagger things. I'd like to try to get outside. Um, you know, whether it's going for a walk, going for a run, I've started playing tennis over the last year and a half. I used to play tennis when I was younger and kind of got away from that. And I'm playing again. Um, and so going and, and taking an hour and a half off the middle of the day to go play, play, go play tennis, just to get a break from everything. And then I come back refreshed. I find if I'm sitting at my desk from eight to five, just cranking and cranking, those are just the worst days. And I can see what I work on my focus and even just being able to prioritize is way worse than if I can get some separation during the day to, to step away. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're saying all the, the good things that um, I'm teaching a lot in my seminars and workshops as well, but you brought one thing up that I think is really powerful is the chronotype. So your natural, like just biorhythm, right. And you said you're a morning person. I'm also 100% a morning person and everyone is different. And so based on your energy type, you want to basically adjust your, your tasks. So if you're a morning person, you want to do the most important things first thing in the morning. If you are a PM shifted person, so a night person, you probably don't want to do the, the, the most important task in the, the first thing in the morning. And that's, you know, I think it's really wonderful that actually with remote work, we are more flexible almost to choose when we do our most important work, except of course meetings, because a lot of my clients, and I'm sure you as well are in a lot of meetings throughout the day. And so to just kind of plan better. Um, another really interesting analogy that I just heard the other day that really deeply resonated with me was that if you are just, you know, responding to emails and sitting in meetings and doing these quick little tasks, you actually also get a dopamine release, um, which is why oftentimes people focus on those little tasks first, and then they end up working late because they realize the one or two big things that they actually had to get done aren't done yet. And so it's almost, mm -hmm. if you imagine you have a glass um, and you put a lot of little rocks into that glass because you do this email here and this email there and this meeting here, But then at the end of the day, you still have two big rocks that you try to cramp into the class, but they don't have space anymore because you already filled it with all of these little rocks. And so you are either not capable of fitting the rocks into the glass at all, or they're sticking out on top, which means that you are, you know, spending too much time on work instead of relaxing. But if you start to actually fill your glass with the two big rocks first, And then you fill, fill it in with those little rocks here and there, the little rocks actually have space as well. And I think we really need to shift our mind, mindset there of thinking about what is the most important thing that we need to get done? What is my priority before just responding to external requests? I think that's an awesome analogy. I love that analogy. And I, I agree hundred percent that, uh, and it's, it's difficult, you know, and you sit down at your desk mm -hmm. and you start getting bombarded yeah. with email. And that's the problem I have. If oh, I don't 100%. get online early enough, then that means customers are online. And plus, I mean, my case, the fact that we have a large percentage of our employees are based in the Philippines, that means they're working all night. I'm waking up to an inbox full of emails mm -hmm. of things that they've been working on. So it's really easy to mm -hmm. jump into that and start, start 
crossing things off versus focusing on what's important. I I totally agree. Mm -hmm. Another interesting fact that you mentioned was that you're working or that you built that business with your wife. Tell us a little bit more about that. How is, how is it to work with your wife, um, you know, to have like the, the personal life, obviously, and then also the, the professional life? I'm sure she'll be listening to this to uh, <laughs> uh, pick out any, any gems that I leave behind. So, um, yeah, no, it's, 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 it's interesting. Um, it's, been, it's been good. Uh, I can't say it's always been perfect. I mean, we, we have our challenges. I think one of the things when you're working with someone that you're that close to uh, is that you're more likely to be brutally honest. You're not as likely to be politically mm. correct sometimes. Um, we've had some heated arguments at times. Uh, but, you know, one of the nice things about it is that I think we complement each other really well because her background is uh, she worked as a product manager for uh, about a decade. Um, and she was kind of doing some freelancing when I started doing freelancing before we started our business. And then we just kind of knew that we had, you know, good chemistry in terms of uh, the the disciplines, our, our backgrounds and stuff. And so, uh, you know, we finally brought that together and I think we complement each other really well. Um, but, you know, there's, there's other things like, I, you know, when we were uh, starting the business, we were also, uh, we decided to um, build, when we we're talking about building a family, we decided to adopt. And so, uh, you know, the kiddos that we ended up adopting, um, you know, they're 11 and 12 now, they started middle school. But when they came to live with us, our daughter was seven months old and our son was two years old. And so going through that process and, you know, being able to be at home, and, and be there for them and the extra challenges they had as they're coming into this new house with new people they didn't know. And, uh, you know, all that was, was definitely a, a challenge for them. And I think for us, it, it became a real blessing. The fact that we had started this business, it speaks to that whole thing of having the flexibility, but also working together, we could cover each other pretty well when it came to running the business and then have that time and that flexibility to, to give to them. So, um, it's definitely been, been a good thing We're but we try to be strategic about it, you know, try not to, uh, step on each other's toes too much. She has her little piece of the business carved out pretty well. I've got my nice. piece of the business carved out. We treat it almost like as business units, so to speak. And we're too small of a company really think of it as business units, but we think of it as like her part of the business versus mine. And we, you know, exchange mm-hmm. responsibilities or if there's a need, uh, with my team, the software developers, then it's going through her to, you know, define requirements and set up use cases and user stories and all that fun stuff we that she gets to do that that we uh, consume from from her team. So um, that, that it works out pretty well, and we okay. get to expense our we get to expense our dinners when we go out to dinner. I night. just want to say, but, oh, that's that's a great <laughs> thing. And then, do you have like really hard boundaries around not having work conversations sometimes, or is that pretty fluid and it works for you? You know, life is so chaotic that there's always something. If it's not work, it's something with the kids. It's something with, you know, the project that didn't get done last week at the at the house. There's always something else, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, you know, we, we try to, uh, we're not as good about that. Honestly, I think we could do a better job of being more intentional about just having time for ourselves. I think when we're around each other all the time, um, it sort of feels like we're always with each other but that's not necessarily good quality time. And so uh, we do find a lot of times things bleeding over into dinners and stuff like that. But I think when we're, when we're more intentional about it and we carve out time and say, okay, we're going to have a, a date night once a week. And that may not even be like going somewhere because we can't because of the young kids. Like maybe it's just 
staying home and, and cooking something and watching a movie or getting takeout or something like that. But setting that time aside and saying, okay, we're not going to talk work. We're not going to talk about stresses of life. We're just going to be there for each other and try to enjoy each other's company and, you know, make, look at it from that perspective. I, I think when we do those things, it really benefits us. And it's a good, just talking about it right now, it's a good reminder to me because I feel like we don't do it enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I know. You know, I thought that the other day that when I do podcasts with my guests, it's almost sometimes like a coaching session <laughs> mm -hmm. because I'm like curious about the things that I'm working with on my working on with my clients. And um, yeah, it's always good reminders. I think we always get this other perspective. Um, and that brings me to the next question, which I'm obviously very passionate about, which is stress um, and how to manage stress and how you maybe Like, I'm curious to learn more about, are you, are you able to identify when your wife is very stressed and are you able to both like kind of manage it with each other to be like, Hey, I can see that, you know, this is a really high stress situation and like create spaces for each other to, uh, um, yeah, to better take care of, of your needs. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I'm told that I'm sometimes oblivious to those things. So it's something, <laughs> a, a challenge of, of me um that I'm I'm constantly working on but but yeah I, I think for sure like I, I think we we're getting better at that uh trying to cover for each other and, and manage the the stress of it all I think uh with with kids and the business and everything else I think we I think we've both learned a lot about ourselves and about each other uh mm -hmm. during this course of building the business and having kids and so being able to recognize when things are going south for one of us and being able to step in. Like, I know how I am. And I mean, everyone's like this where, you know, if you already have, I mean, just think about like a, a, a scenario, like you're sitting down, you're done with your day, you're sitting on the couch, your phone beeps, you look at it. It's some kind of urgent thing from a customer, 911, sky's falling. And then your kid does something stupid, right? And so then what's your reaction to your kid versus you've had a great day, everything's gone perfect. You just got that, that great, project you've been working on for six months um you just cashed the check today everything's going great and then your kid does something stupid two different reactions that you're going to have as a parent mm -hmm. right reaction one is going to mm -hmm. be the phone beeps and the 911 issue you're like ready to just like strangle your kid you're so angry it's like everything's falling apart right now versus like the opposite of like everything's going great this thing happens like all right i'm in a good place right now so maybe i can you know, I can be mature for once and have a mature response, adult response to the situation rather than be an immature. And so I've learned that a lot about myself. And it's something I never really was cognizant of until like built a family and added these extra stressors of, of having a business. And I think my wife is the, the same way. And so, you know, and even doing things like just self check-ins, like this is something I picked up from someone else that I mm. try to do on a daily basis where, or on, on a, multiple times a day, not a daily basis, but multiple times a day, just kind of taking a, taking self inventory of like, okay, where am I right now on the stress scale? You know, I'm on a, I'm at a one, I'm at a 10, I'm at a five. And if I can just like call that out in my mind periodically throughout the day, then when I walk into a situation where I know it's going to be stressful, like the kids just got home and I know they have a bunch of projects to work on. If I know I'm at a seven, then I know I either need to be really prepared, be really cautious because I'm walking into a minefield or maybe I need to go like take a little break. Maybe I need to go for a walk. Maybe I need to go clear my head. Maybe I need to go lay down the, in the back room for 30 minutes or an hour and just kind of collect myself before I go into that environment. And I think we're yeah. both getting better at that. It's, it's, it's an art, you know, it's, it it does, sometimes it doesn't feel like a science. It feels like an art because every, every day is a new challenge. 
Yeah. And it never stops. And I think I love that you said that earlier that life is chaotic and that you just always deal with something else. Like something is always coming up. And I love to have the mindset of, you know, I can react to this. I can see this from like everything is negative and everything is falling apart to there's actually a lot of good things that are happening. And, you know, I, I am facing this challenge right now, but it's in the grand scheme of things, everything is is cool. So I think yeah. it's it's all the power of all of these different tools. Do you, you mentioned already a few times that, you know, you picked it up here and you picked it up there. How do you, you know, get to these tools? Like how do you find um, personal development tools in order to help you become your best self, the best version of yourself? Um, well, you know, I like to read. So that's, that's a big one. Um, I'm also, you know, I'm a big proponent of, of therapy. And it's something that I, I don't have a therapist right now. I have had a therapist in the past. Um, and it's not because, you know, necessarily something's wrong with me, although there's probably plenty of things wrong with me. I think we all have our demons. We all have our things, our challenges sure. we deal with. It was something yeah. like still sort of uh, self-conscious about admitting that you ha you've had a therapist, but um, hmm. it's been, it's been uh, good for me because it helped me kind of just figure things out. And I came up with like the tactic of doing the self-assessments. You know, one of my, things is just being high strung sometimes and just getting really intense with mm -hmm. with things so it's, it's funny because like my wife is usually like the more calm person um like her her intensity spikes when things when she's angry or something goes goes bad aren't nearly as intense as mine but they last a lot longer mine are short bursts but then not five minutes i can be like i'm sorry y'all i don't know what happened like i got it mm -hmm. together it's not gonna happen again um but you know going through that and i, I think having having people you can, you can lean on that are maybe on the outside looking in, um, I think is really helpful. It's like a different perspective. And then sometimes even with yourself, sometimes I've noticed this, whether it's you know, I'm thinking about how I handle situations personally, or if I'm thinking about business strategy and how to do things, sometimes it feels like it's harder when you're on the inside trying to strategize what to do. But if you can look at yourself almost in the third person, you can look at your situation in the third person and analyze it like that. Sometimes you can be a better resource for yourself in terms of giving yourself ideas and, you know, methods for, for coping. I can't say it's something I'm really good at. It's something I'm, I've been kind of practicing in my life and with business and personal stuff, trying to be, look at myself more than the third person, but also I think the better way to handle that probably is to, to lean on others, find people that, that whether it's loved ones, people that you're close with close friends or a therapist, um, having someone that you can lean on to, to share things. And, you know, it's kind of the concept behind, like from a business perspective, it's the same thing with like masterminds, right? You get on a mastermind, you have a group of people you can consult with and share the challenges that you're having uh, business-wise and, and get uh, ideas. And it doesn't mean all the ideas are always good, but still it's it's another perspective. It's and sometimes step, that can- It's a step forward. Yeah. yeah, sometimes it's not about getting the right answer. It's about opening a door that eventually gets each of the right answer. So it may be bad advice, but at least opens a new channel that maybe you explore and then you, you come up with, you know, a new way to solve whatever problem it is you're dealing with. At least that's, that's my belief. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So you said you read a lot. Do you have a favorite book or a book that you relate to all the time or that you've been reading multiple times because you find it so powerful? Um, you know, I would say that the one that probably has... I had to pick one that I would say has really transformed the way I live my life. Um, and it's not because it was really just that. I mean, it was a good book. I had a lot of good concepts, but it's kind of dry. It's the uh, Getting Things Done by David Allen. Uh, so okay. the GTD process, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, 
but it's basically the concept is about uh, basically a framework for how to deal with all of the things that come through, uh, come across your desk every day. So, you know, some of the examples I never like, okay, well, you're getting bombarded by email, you're getting bombarded by phone calls, you're getting bombarded by maybe when we are working in an office, people coming by your desk, needing things. Um, and how do you process all that? How do you make sure you don't, nothing falls off because you forget to respond to the email? So some of the concepts you can pull out of that are things like the zero inbox approach, which I, which I practice. You know, I'm not always great about it, but typically I use Gmail for all of my email. And so typically I never get beyond like one page of emails before I'm cleaning it out and processing things. So it's all about putting things in bins. And if there's things that are just quick, someone sends you a quick question, Rather than like just saying, I'll respond to that later. If it's like something that's going to take you 30 seconds, just go ahead and process it, get it out of there because then you don't have to think mm -hmm. about it anymore. Um, so getting things done, I think was, was revolutionary for me because it mm -hmm. made me start thinking about those kind of things and how to balance my day and how to structure the tasks I work on. Um, and then I've started building systems and processes around that to manage my day. Um, and that all, you know, the, the root, the catalyst for all that, I think was reading, reading that particular book and really uh, digging into the, the content. Um, you know, other books that I've found interesting. Uh, One Thing by Gary Keller. I thought that was a great book. Uh, mm -hmm. Great for just the whole idea of like sort of thinking about like the domino effect, I think was the biggest takeaway from what I remember from that book of thinking about what I need to do today so that I can accomplish my goals for tomorrow. So I can accomplish my goals for next week. So I can accomplish my goals for next month, the quarter, the year, five years, whatever, you know, you kind of do that, that planning out and realizing that you can't get to your five-year goals without completing your one-year goals. You can't get your one-year goals without completing your quarterly goals, which, you know, it all yeah. scales back. And so thinking about mm -hmm. that, and that gets back to what we were talking about earlier about the rocks each day, you focus yeah. on those rocks and you get those done then you've put yourself in position so that maybe you start, you can see your goals for the year. You can see your goals, at least for the quarter, whatever the case may be. So that was another one that I, that I really enjoyed. Cool. Very cool. I will make sure to add them to the show notes, getting things done and one thing. Um, how do you start your day? Do you have a specific morning routine that helps you get really into gear? Yeah, I'm kind of smiling because there's like the routine <laughs> that I would like to have. And then there's a routine I actually have. Yeah. And like I mentioned, I'm just getting over the flu. So like, that's, yeah. um, I have not had my routine at all and I, I miss it. Um, but you know, for me, what I like doing is like waking up early. Um, I mentioned like, I like to work on the hardest thing first, but also like to have, do something enjoyable in the morning. I like to start my day off on a, on a good note. Um, now there's, again, I'm going to say it again, there's the routine I would like to have and the routine I actually have. I think when I, when I think about the routine I would like to have, um, starting my day off maybe with exercising, going out, maybe going for a hike, doing something like that, I think would be, be outstanding. But I find that a lot of times I don't have, have time for that because, you know, we're usually trying to get kids off to school. And now that the, we've just gone through the daylight savings change here. So now it's earlier in the morning. So you can actually, I can actually accomplish some of those things before the family wakes up and, and goes off to school. Whereas before it was dark until like 7.30, And so by the time it starts lightening up, I can go actually do something outside. We're deep in the middle of getting kids dressed and off to, off to school. But for me, I think, you know, routine wise, uh, like I said, starting uh, with my hardest thing first, but even before that, when I start my day, I'm a coffee drinker. So I love waking up drinking coffee. Um, also because I like to read and I read a combination of 
uh, fiction and nonfiction. I usually have one kind of fun book that I'm reading and one business or personal development book I'm reading at the same time. And a lot of times the business or personal development book is an audio book. So I love to listen, consume audio books. And then the fun books, I tend to read the, well, not the good old fashioned way, but through my uh, Kindle. But I love to start off my morning just, just reading for a little while and reading something fun, maybe over a cup of coffee and just kind of use that as my way to start my day. Then if I'm fortunate enough to have the time, maybe go for a walk and get a little bit of exercise in before I start my day. And then, as I mentioned before, like being able to take breaks during the day, do something fun, whether it's going to play tennis or whatever I can, whatever I can squeeze on. Yeah. Nice. So as we're moving with very big, scary steps into uh, 2022, um, what are your goals, both professionally? So when you're thinking about your company and how you want to grow and personally? Oh, man. <laughs> I, should, <it's laughs> I know I did point. not We have to start thinking question. about this. <laughs> yeah, we have to start thinking about these things, don't we? Like New Year's resolutions and all that. Um, mm. Yeah, I would say uh, from a business perspective, um, that one's maybe easier for me to tackle. Maybe it should be the other way around, but I feel like business is easier because I've been so focused on my business this past year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mentioned that my background being software development and my wife's being in, in product management. Uh, we've got those bases covered pretty well, but the marketing and sales side, we don't. And so I've been spending a lot of time myself just really learning more about marketing and sales and doing a better job of, of marketing our business and the products and services that we provide. And so That's really the big challenge for me is because even though we've built a successful business and we have, we've reached a point of stability, it's kind of like trying to hike up. Like if you're watching those shows on like climbing Mount Everest and they get to like the first, the what they call it, base camp or first whatever. Base. And you got to, yeah. yeah. And you got to like acclimate there and then you go to the next one. And I feel like we've done that. We've moved up like at least one base camp, maybe two. We've gotten really acclimated. We've been there too long. They're ready to kick us out. Right. So we need to, keep going up. And the only way we're going to do that is if we can go from where we are now, which is business based largely on referrals to really going out and marketing ourselves better and starting to build the type of clients we want, build the business we want and, and increase revenue. So that's a big focus from a, from a, uh, a company perspective. Um, cool. I'll personal... stop you there for a second. Yeah, sure. Because I'm curious now that you obviously have the platform to speak about it. I'm curious Tell us more about, you know, the product and services that you're offering and what kind of clients you work with. Sure. So, I mean, we work with a wide variety. I would say we're not necessarily focused on any specific kind of niche or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we and even within that, it's, it's software development. So it's everything from, you know, websites to web and mobile applications. But, yeah, I will say that I look at trends like we work a lot with the real estate industry, um, a lot of. Uh, real estate brokers, successful real estate professionals come to us with, with product ideas for, you know, next great app that's going to accomplish some need or solve some problem within the real estate space. seems like real estate is really ripe with just people who want to innovate and, and change things, I guess, because they're kind of entrepreneurial in spirit in general, mm -hmm. being, being realtors. Um, but, you know, we do that. We also work a lot with businesses just on business processes and automation. Um, so, you know, a lot of times people have built successful businesses, but they're really challenged on how to, how to automate some of the things, how to, you know, everyone's always trying to find more hours in the day. And so there's always those, those monotonous tasks that you have to do every day. And so helping people with, with, with those sort of things, uh, you know, helping them build more of their online funnels for, for maybe managing 
what they do with their customers and, and things like that. We don't really pitch ourselves as a marketing company, uh, but you know, there's a lot of things we do automation-wise that kind of tie in with, with marketing and, and automating how you handle uh, new prospects in your business and how you nurture them and the, the types of sales processes and funnels that they get into and how that all interrelates with their websites mm-hmm. or how that interrelates with, with apps and, and other kinds of automation that we build for them. So that's really our focus. I mean, I, it sounds maybe a little too generic the way I described it there, but you know, it really is about helping businesses to thrive by uh, software automation. That's, that's really what, what we're focused on. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So I'm going to ask you a very specific example, because I one of my goals for the first five years of my business, I'm in the third year now, is to create an app, to build an app. Would that be mm-hmm. something I would come to to you that you would that I would be like, I want to have my program on there and my podcast episodes and all of these different things, and you would help to design it and build it? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we we do. So it's sitting down, mm-hmm. understanding what the what the need is. Uh, going through uh, some of those things. One of the things that we really pride ourselves as a business on doing is really sitting down trying to understand your needs. And, you know, there's always like the the full picture of what you'd really like to accomplish. And then there's always something often scaled down from that. We call it the minimum viable product. Probably you may or may not be familiar with that term. MVP kind of concept. So Mm -hmm. building that out. Um, One of the things we're also, we've been, Uh, focused on a lot lately and it's not really a new concept it's something we've been doing for several years i know other agencies who build software do this as well but the idea behind prototypes and i think it's something that if anyone any of your audience is thinking about building an app i would say really think about whether you could leverage a prototype and the idea behind a prototype is you can build out uh you can build out a model of, of the product it is that you're trying to build but you don't have to go build all of the internal workings of that product. I mean, think about what goes into building an app. You're building not just the front end screens, the look and feel of the app, but you have everything that goes on the back end. There's a user accounts. There's things like what happens, someone forgets their password to like mm-hmm. administration stuff, maybe, you know, managing users and, and all that. A lot of times when you're thinking about building a product, there's all this extra stuff that is not really necessary in order to really understand the idea. They're, they're supporting things that you need but then there's actually the core product itself that, that you really care about. And if you're looking at like an audience um, of whether you're looking at your customers or, you know, if you're looking at investors or something like that, and you want to try to come up with a concept and be able to share that concept with them and paint that picture, you know, typically what you do is you either go and spend a lot of money building the app and then you go and get it in front of them and say, okay, I just spent like tens of thousands of dollars on this thing. Does this look like something you would use and you like hearts racing, hoping that it will, you know, come back will with be a yes, positive yeah. feedback? Yeah, yeah. Versus like prototype, you can spend like an order of magnitude less on, on that. You can get something that's actually people can touch. They can actually pull it up on their phone and actually interact with it and see how the flow works through the app. See what the screens look like. See what the user interface looks like. They can really grasp the concept. And then you get that feedback because almost every time you build any kind of app, you're going to get... You're trying to hit the bullseye. Most people don't hit the bullseye. You're going to hopefully hit close to the bullseye, but you're going to have to do some sort of pivot. But if you've already spent tens of thousands of dollars building this thing, and then you're making those pivots, well, you've spent a lot of money and you've spent a lot of time. Whereas with a prototype, you can often get a prototype done in just a few weeks. And for, like I said, order magnitude less cost. And so then, you know, worst case, if it, if it's just a complete disaster, you find that out and it's like, all right, well, this is a disaster. Like, you know, I lost like $5,000 or $7,000. It sucks, but it's not the end of the world versus spending tens of thousands of dollars 
or if it's close and you need a pivot, well, you're pivoting at that stage, which is still somewhat in the conceptual stage. And then the other nice thing about prototypes is that if you go the prototype route, all of that time you spent, the money, it's really not that much compared to the overall cost of the app, but that money and time that you spent on that is stuff that would have gone into, it's already into well that building. Invested. Yeah. yeah, you would have spent it on that. You know, you're building things like what does the home screen of your app look like, for example. Well, mm. you know, and you get confirmation. Yeah, I'm building the right app. Okay, well, I've already got that done. Now when I go into actually building the app, that's one last thing I have to do. I recoup some of those costs. So I think it's a great way. It's all about hedging your bets. It's like options. I would, I would explain like this, like options trading the stock market. It's the way to hedge your bet rather than buying the security. You buy like the option to purchase that security. You buy the option to build this app by building the prototype. And then if you get that positive confirmation, then you go forward, execute yeah. on it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Very cool. All right, cool. So we've um, understood your professional goal for 2022. Now let's talk about the per personal one. Uh, personal. Um, that's where we hmm. should bring in my wife as the guest on, on here. And she can, <laughs> she can talk about my, my personal uh, uh, goals for the next. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. I think really uh, to think about the, I mean, I have, I definitely have several, several challenges. Excuse me one second. I definitely have several, several challenges. I would say probably, um, you know, I would, I think this kind of ties in with the business goals, I guess, but being more available for my family, being more well-balanced, you know, I, we talked a little bit about work-life balance earlier. Um, I think that's something I'd like to, to get better at i do feel like so much emphasis has gone into the business this year that i haven't always been available the way i would like to be and so i think um maybe you know we talk about routines and stuff like that i mentioned that i feel like there's a routine i would like to have and then there's what actually happens mm -hmm. i think that's probably if there's one thing i could change that i can think of just off the top of my head right now going into 2022 i think it'd be really being married to my routine so you know mm -hmm. getting a good night's sleep each night going to bed at at a reasonable time each night, waking up early in the morning so I can have my time to get my day started before all the chaos begins, um, you know, those sort of things. And I think that that really plays into work-life balance because I find that the days that I do that, especially if I have a week where I'm really good at doing all those things, I feel like I achieve so much more and I'm such a happier person and better place mentally, physically, spiritually, everything, you know? And so mm -hmm. that's, that's probably the one thing that I was kind of doing at the beginning of this year and kind of let slip away yeah. that I really need to double down on because it has such a huge impact for, at least for me. And I think probably just for everybody. For honest. everybody. Yeah, for sure. Once, once you try it out, it's, it's hard. I think it's almost harder than to not do it or you like really are aware when you're not doing it. Um, thank you for sharing such an honest opinion and, um you know now you have hundreds of accountability buddies <laughs> for yeah. 2022 because they, they listen to you and to your goals so that's always a good thing dustin mm -hmm. this was such a wonderful conversation and um, i really appreciate your honesty and your transparency about just everything um, that we talked about if people are curious to learn more about you what would be the best way to get in touch with you Uh, you can find me on my website, caffeineinteractive.com. It's all one word. Or you can email me directly, Dustin, at caffeineinteractive.com. Um, and yeah, I'd love to talk to anyone if you have any any life hacks to throw my way that you think I might benefit from. I'd love to hear from, from anyone who wants to share. I'm happy to share with you as well. So I really appreciate being on, on, the, on the podcast. So thank you so much for having me as a guest. Thank you, Dustin.